truck i'm dooner here with michael vincent the dude hey i was just looking over my shoulder here yeah we got some new neighbors text requests across the street welcome to town right here i know kenneth is one of the guys over there oh is that right yeah. okay all right yeah no you did you're right i see it out the window yeah. very very cool hey welcome to town guy hey it's yeah. a beautiful beautiful spring day again <laughs> yeah my it, friend it sure is <laughs> you know what i've been telling you about this you know i've been telling you about this fence saga I want to hear, but these okay. are the guys that just showed up and started doing yeah. work. You didn't even hire them, right? So, they just yeah, showed they, up? Well, I mean, so kind we of. asked like 12 companies and one randomly just showed up and started building it. Well, they put the frame in. I'm looking at the other day and between my new house and the other house, you know, we live in the city. There's just 12 feet uh, down this one sort of galleyway. Yeah. And I'm like, clearly this fence is like eight feet over. So I point out to the guy yesterday morning who shows up and I'm like, you guys are building this fence on my neighbor's property. What are we going to do about it? Fortunately, they were pretty cool. And they moved the, the, the post over. But for a minute there, man, a little hairy. So they, 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 they cemented in? It was cemented in. I'm not even sure how they got these posts back up and like moved it back <laughs> over. It was much more seamless than I thought it would be. I thought we were in for a nightmare, man. They cut twice and they measured once. Yeah, sorry, dude. We goofed it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Good times. Well, hey, on today's show, you know, you might be seeing it. You're driving by the pumps. We're going to be talking about if gas is the new toilet paper. A lot, a lot of people out there hoarding. Got to stop hoarding people. You're not going to leave any gas for the rest of us. Everyone yeah. just stop at the tank. And then you know what happens when the hoarding happens? When the hoarding starts? Then everyone goes, well, I got to fill up my tank now. And like the thing is, people think like hoarding is like, you know, you going there with a 50 gallon drum and filling it up. It's not. It's just, it's like there's some people doing that. Don't get us wrong. But it's mostly just people who have three quarters of a tank, half a tank, don't need gas yet. They're all going to get gas at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. They usually fill up on a Friday, but they're all going Monday because there's going to be no gas. And half those people are doing it because they fear somebody else is going to hoard hoard it. So they do it. (sighs) That's crazy. And then they go on Twitter and they go, everyone's a sheep. Uh, hey, you're the one at the gas tank. All right, let's tip the band. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Legend Transportation, which has been establishing partnerships through outstanding customer service since 2007. Yeah. Learn more at Tell em, Dude. Oh, man. NewLegendInc.com immediately after the show. Boom. Let's get headlines. Love it. Hey, by the way. Self-declared Supply Chain Education Week is continuing today on What the Truck as well. We have a I guest from uh, UMass Amherst. Exciting. Declared by Dooner and the Dude. Just outright declared by us. That's it. It's not official. We should, should we make it official? Should we make Supply Chain Education Week a thing? Uh, we, it has been officially endorsed by Dooner and the Dude. It is. We got professors on every single What the Truck this week yes. and on Freightways Insiders, which is out tomorrow with Lauren Absolutely. Beacon. So Absolutely. be a good time. What did you say? Become wicked smart. Become wicked smart. Yeah. With what the truck, freight waves inside us, freight waves, your friends over here. Right. All right. Diesel outages. We just alluded to it in the open. They are starting to rise in the southeast hour, a neck of the woods, based on that colonial pipeline shutdown, but not directly due to it, indirectly due to it. John Kingston reports major fuel suppliers in the southeast are starting to list an increasing number of outlets with no diesel supplies as the shutdown of the Colonial Pipeline heads into its sixth day. Well, the market waits for the expected announcement Wednesday, later on today, uh, regarding whether Colonial believes it can safely restart its line after last week's cyber attack. Conditions for truck drivers on the ground, they're not getting any easier. 
No, there's not. And there's three companies that list online that list online the available uh, supplies uh, at their outlets. Yeah. Uh, and they're reporting varying degrees of outages of diesel as well as gasoline. On Tuesday, the talk of fuel running out was focused on gasoline. But the shutdown of the line is clearly starting to hit diesel as well. Yeah, so four-wheelers getting hit right now. Diesel trucks going to get hit. When diesel trucks get hit, you're not going to find things in stores because that's what those trucks are doing on the road that you're beeping at and giving the finger to. So the information service, Gas Buddy, which monitors the price and sell at pumps, has been publishing information on gasoline outages on uh, the Twitter feed of its top executive, Patrick DeHan. And here's some really strong numbers, right? Mm -hmm. As of 7 a.m. this morning, 24.8% of all gas stations in North Carolina, 15.4% in Georgia, and 15% in Virginia are without gasoline. Um, Outages are also reported in South Carolina, 13.4%, Florida, 4.2%, Maryland, 3.5%, Tennessee, only 2.8%. We're already seeing it here in Chattanooga, though. Everybody driving to work today says they saw either lines or, or gas stations out of it. So if you're up at like 25%, I'm sure you're seeing it everywhere. Uh, it's even worse if you're in metro areas, so maybe this is why. If you're talking about uh, in Charlotte, it's 71% of stations out of gas. Wow, 60, 61%. 60% in Atlanta, Jeez. 72% in, Ro- in Raleigh, wow. 73% in Pensacola. Pensacola. It's, again, focus on gasoline. This isn't diesel yet, yeah. but I bet every truck driver's on their tank up, well, too. Diesel, I know diesel's pretty uh, – talking to John Bose, who owns Freight Trucking Inc. in here, right? He's a former yeah. Freight Waves guy over, over there. Uh, yesterday, telling me his trucks uh, out in Carolinas, no yeah. diesel. So is uh, hoarding's a thing, but how is hoarding going? We have a couple pictures here. Some people have been caught on Twitter of getting big. See, these people have a bunch of, uh, of of tanks. They're putting it in the back of their truck. Um, someone else, I think we have a picture similar. I saw one put lady putting gasoline in a plastic bag that she double bagged. <laughs> However, that's an older that's, that's an older meme. I've seen that one that, before. Yeah, that's not. You someone pointed out something good though. Like this guy could own a lawn care company. You don't know for sure. Yeah, you don't know what's. Going it's not like he's filling like a fifty gallon drum full, no. of, full of oil or something. No, he's not putting it in his pocket or no. anything like. And just like the toilet thing, like when the toilet paper is happening, you'd see on Twitter people trying to like shame like a random person carrying a bunch of toilet paper. That happens. But again, this effect, this bullet effect on gasoline, on toilet paper, it's mostly happening due to just us just going to regularly fill your tank. You're just doing that at irregular intervals. So as you all know, it's supply chain. When you cause a disruption like that, it's felt throughout the entire system. How long it'll last? I don't know. Because one thing is they said this Colonial Pipeline will be back up by the end of this week. Then suddenly they moved the goalpost and they said maybe it won't be till the end of next week. Wow. Did they move it back that far? That's what I just saw. Wow. I didn't see that. That's, yeah, that's, that's not good because you're already turning into, it's turning into not enough trucks to even go get the gas. I know. That was fuel. a big story. My right? dad kept sending me that story from uh, like CNN or CNBC yeah. a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I think we're okay in that. I mean, tankers are, they're suffering from the same thing regular trucking is. I don't, but now here it is. Here's a big catalyst. And that's why I said, I said, unless a big catalyst happens, I think we'll be okay. Well, here's the catalyst. Yeah. We talk about that all the time. Hey, one thing everyone hates is double brokering. So Clarissa Haw, she's got this, uh, except for double brokers, I guess. Uh, she's got a great <laughs> investigative report on Freightways.com right now. I implore you to all check out. It's about freight fraud, burgeoning double brokering scheme. It's like whack-a-mole. Can't, you can't keep these things down. So she reports on this guy. She, Joe Howard is this guy she's talking to. And he created a spreadsheet to uh, write down, to track a list of suspected companies uh, largely yeah. based in Southern California to warn others to do their due diligence or pay the price. 
Here's how it works, this double brokering, and what he's tracking is there's a, an elaborate network has created hundreds of fake mm-hmm. MC numbers pretending to have trucks to get loads from other brokers. Another entity involved in the alleged scheme rebrokers the freight to legitimate carriers that often have no idea this freight's been double brokered at all. Yeah, it's not really good. And victim, victims of the load board scammers need to fill out detailed reports to possibly prevent it from happening to others. Len said scammers are gaining legitimacy by being allowed to be on the load boards itself, right? And uh, it used to be if they were on the board, they were mostly legit. Uh, that's not the case anymore. Carrier 411 CEO Darren Brewer told Freightways that he estimates these double-broking scams, including fraudulent fuel advances, cost the transportation industry, transportation industry about $100 million a year. Yeah. So there's there's money in it for certain. A couple people in the comments here, too, talking about the gas. They're saying panic creates panic. Uh, yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um, it absolutely does. Like we said, that's a great investigative report by Clarissa Oz. Highly recommended. Go to it at FreightWaves.com. Also, a little FreightWaves news. Michael Vincent. Okay. This stupid show and some things at FreightWaves are, are up for some uh, Neil Awards. Well, not the, the, that Q&A we did at NASA. So we did a Q&A session with NASA at Space Waves. Oh, We're yeah. up for a Neil Award for that. We're actually up for five here, five category panelists in the prestigious Neil Awards. Very exciting. A little cowbell for all of the FreightWaves team involved here. It touches everything from new product, which is talking about our virtual event platform that we didn't even build until May of last year to do yeah. at home. Our, our next at home a year later is coming up, right? Yeah. 19th through 20th. We got it for that. We, we're up there for best website. Uh, we're up there for best media brand. We're up there for best use of a webcast, which was our interview with NASA. And um, what else do we got? Editorial excellence. And you mentioned best new product for the smooth yeah. transition to virtual events. Yeah. Right? You mentioned that. And um, You and yeah. I personally and a lot of best the team that works on this show are up for three of these awards. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. It's very cool. Yeah. It's exciting. I hope we have like an Oscar celebration. Do you think we should have like a, a Neely's here at, at Freight Waves? Because it's a okay. virtual ceremony. So you don't get like any of the fun and pop and circumstances of going to an award show. But maybe we should throw one on here. I think so. Well, it's June 9th. We're all double vaccinated. We Let's should do it. it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Mike, do it. we can't make that call, but hopefully No, so. we can't. <laughs> hey, you know who is just in Chattanooga? And hey, maybe he'll be back here for F3. Fellow Lookouts fan, Brett Suma. He's a CEO over at Loadsmith in Denver, Colorado. He's coming back to join us to tell us. Uh, well, first of all, Brett, you, did you find any gas this morning? How are things looking at the pumps in Colorado? Uh, luckily I don't, I don't generally leave about a one mile vicinity of my house. So I'm pretty lucky that I don't, I, I can't remember the last time I got gas to be honest with you. Well, beautiful. We understand you were just in Chattanooga. Um, good time here. Oh yeah, no, we had a great time. We were, I was out last week visiting our, our office and our folks there. Um, we just moved into a new office and so it was, it was nice to have everybody together back um, it, for the first time really since COVID. So every employee that we've hired over the last year in Chattanooga has been remote start. And so it was great to have everybody together and, and really start for us building that office. Beautiful. What's going to go down in that office? I understand that you're working on a new app and a new portal. Is that uh, is some of the development going to happen there or what are the plans? Yeah. So our, our Chattanooga office is really our, our, um, you know, the cornerstone of our East Coast operations. So it really is an operations center for us. We have Chattanooga and, and Denver are our two main hubs in terms of operations centers. So we, we look to continue to add to the talent pool in Chattanooga to help support, you know, pretty much anything um, east of the Mississippi. And, um, you know, from an account management perspective, sales um, operations, we call our, our carrier sales really operations. Um, so that will be what we build out in Chattanooga. 
And as far as our app goes, yeah, we've um, we've started working on our carrier portal um, and, our, and our driver app. We're very excited about that. We've partnered with Parade AI uh, to kind of be the backbone architecture uh, of of what we're working on from an, from an AI perspective, machine learning, and and using algorithms to help us um, in terms of sourcing capacity. And then we've also partnered with LaVisual out of Los Angeles. Um, to help make sure that whatever we do on the carrier portal and our app um, really, uh, you know, keys in on what Loadsmith's brand strategy is and where we where we look to push position ourselves in the marketplace. And so, you know, using those two companies combined, they're working together right now on the development um, of that of that portal and application. And we'll roll it out in phases with the portal kind of being launched first, and then. Um, after that, the application being available. So we're very excited about about partnering with those two people. They're they're um, much much smarter than I am in terms of technology and in terms of branding, in terms of how things should look, feel, and behave. And so we couldn't be more excited about it. That's awesome. So you you just signed this agreement, and they're working on this stuff. Are you able to talk about the vision for this app? Can you can you talk about that? Where is this going to? Yeah. So so we should be launching the portal in mid June. Um, and that portal for us, we, we want to have complete transparency with our carriers. Um, our carriers, uh, we we just recognize the the fact that um, in all of my my time of working in trucking, that you know often the the drivers you know offices is truck, and that that can and they do a lot of you know office work, not Monday through Friday from seven a.m. to five p.m. And so we want to be accessible and available to them from a from a load procurement perspective, from a visibility perspective, and and really as, drive as much transparency as we can in terms of everything that we have available into offering them. So really, that's kind of the initial vision is giving them a real deep look into our system, and then being able to have action to have an actionable item. So um, being able to book their load directly through the portal if they choose. Um, or, you know, make an offer on a, on a particular load if it's, you know, out in the future. Um, the reality is, is that, you know, right now we're at about a 40% clip of our freight is covered by our core carriers. We believe, and that's without having a portal or any visibility into the future. We believe that we can push that to 65%. Um, within the next year, utilizing our carrier portal and app. And really, from a foundational perspective, Loadsmith always, you know, our foundation always was on um, consistent and efficient freight. And so we really, from a sales perspective, we're not looking for a lot of one-off loads. We're looking for consistency and efficiency, um, really trying to create the, the densest network that we can so that we can employ the network effect Every truck that we add to the system strengthens it. Every load we add to the system strengthens it. Well, you're you're not even two years old yet, are you? Uh, you should have your I think your anniversary comes up this year. But you have this tremendous growth. You're starting to build portals and apps, and really starting to understand your customer base. How has that growth been treating you, and how much has that customer base been involved with making this app? Um, yeah, you know we're not we're not very old, right? I mean, we we moved our first load on September 19th of 2019. Um, and so for us, we, you know, but we have a big vision. Um, we have a big vision for where we want our, our company to, 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 to be. And most of that comes back to how do we want our company to feel? And so, you know, we often refer back to, 
um, our initial work that we did. So before we launched Loadsmith, nine months of that work was was in branding and in uh, in identifying where we fit in and and how do we fit in and, and and why are we a little bit different? What lens do we have that's perhaps a little bit different in the 3PL? And so for us, you know, being young, our vision's big though. And that everything that we do and focus on, whether it be with a, a customer or a, a carrier, we talk about feel. How do we feel? And to our shippers, we feel like a trucking company to them. And that is our goal. Our ultimate goal is that we want to feel like an asset-based provider to our shippers. And our largest shippers, um, and we have some very large you know, transportation spend companies that, that we're involved with, um, we act and feel like we're an asset-based carrier. And in a lot of ways, when it comes in, in, in our sales structure, really t- we come back and, and hit on consistent and efficient. The reality is, is that the more consistent and more efficient our freight is, the more likely we're able to retain capacity in our network. And that's why we're at 40% of our freight never hits a load board, but we've only been in business for, you know, 18 months-ish. Um, we know that we can drive that to 65%. That, that is absolutely excellent. So you, the, the, the app is going to help you drive that to that, to that 65, right? And you talked about being yeah, I mean, a, acting like a carrier. So talk about that. How is this actually going to help your customers? How does this improve that, get you to that 65? Well, I, I think that we have to be realistic that, that drivers, um, their office hours are, are not set. And our availability to them to be able to show them what we have. So we want to be transparent in terms of we're willing to show our cards. Right? We're, we're willing to show what we have. Today, tomorrow, next week, next month, in terms of what we're booking out. Um, and how that really helps us is connecting with the carrier, the driver, okay, when they're available. And so if that's at 7 p.m. on a on a Thursday night at a truck stop, they're able to go in and look at what does Loadsmith have for me for next week, the week after. And in addition to that, we'll be pushing them if they choose to opt in to push notifications of loads that they have hauled in the past for us. Um, and then be able to take action on that. Why that's important for us is that it really allows us to have a, the smoothest capacity offering as possible to our shippers. But then to the to the driver, having predictable coming back to that consistent and efficient. So when we look when we price business, when we go out and and look at when we're bidding on things, we look at the consistency and the efficiency of the load. We just know that that's what attracts the carrier to, to our freight over others. Wow. I mean, I'd love to check it out. Um, yeah, so no, you, you said it's in development. So is it live yet? When, is, when will this be live? Um, we, we're shooting to have a mid-June. I have a call right after this call. Mid-June launch of our carrier portal. Um, our app will probably be, you know, we'll follow that at some point. Um, the carrier portal is a desktop version um, with a completely mobile version, so you don't have to, to download the app if you don't if you don't want to. You'll be able to do all the functionality from a web-enabled version on your mobile device, um, and then we'll continue to work on the app. The app is something that will add value, just in terms of if, you know if if we choose to partner with somebody from a tracking perspective or from a document management perspective, you know. And then obviously, we're a huge proponent and partner with Triumph Bay and. You know, so our carrier payment piece, you know, our, our average days to pay seven days um, were for, from my perspective, 
that is one thing that we focus on heavily. And so when you starting to put all these pieces together in our tech stack, um, the Parade AI piece from a from an algorithmic perspective, and then all the way through to the carrier payment piece, we just want to be the the easiest broker for a carrier to do shipment to to, to haul a load with. Yeah. Um, RMIS on the onboarding side. So everything that we do to, to increase that. Wow. Excellent, Brett. We appreciate it. We're looking forward to the launch of the app. Congratulations. Sounds really exciting for you and your team. And hey, next time you're Chattanooga, drop a dime. Yeah, man. All right. Hey, thanks, guys. Take it easy. Thanks, Brett. Yeah, it's good to see him. Hey, oh, I forgot, to, I forgot to ask him about his logo. Right? Oh, we like always forget to ask him about that. I do. I got to actually put that on the sheet one of these days. Hey, by the way, you know who's on the highway to health? It's Wayne Craig, <laughs> trucker. Let's, yes, he's got a little he intro video here on what he's trying to accomplish. Let's take a look at it. Then we'll talk to him to see where in the world he is on that bicycle of his. All right. The mask is not for COVID. The midges are out by the million. Look, look, I made it. Tammy's holding the camera. Thank you, Tammy. 325 miles, and I made it. Only 2,075 to go. Now I'm going to die. <laughs> Let's get over that bridge, Tammy. Thank you. All right. Woohoo. Oh, wow. Like, okay, Wayne, you are a crazy man. So Wayne's a truck driver, and one day he just out of nowhere, he parks the truck, and he's like, I'm going to, like, Pee Wee Herman, he's going to ride his, bar, like, Pee Wee Herman crossed with Forrest Gump. He's going to ride his bike across the yeah. country, yeah. and he's going to send a great message to the world, and he's going to put us on a highway to health. And uh, it, it's been going great, but you're still not out of Michigan, Wayne. Tell us about this project <laughs> and what's going on. All right, yeah, so uh, the highway to health, uh, I don't know if you're, uh, anyone's keeping up, but my uh, blood pressure, I was in Boise, I was at the VA. My blood pressure actually got up to over 200, over 110, and my wow. cholesterol was 300 horrible, horrible numbers. That's what made me decide to do the highway to health. I had to get in better shape. The DOT wouldn't have let me run anyways if they knew I had those kind of numbers. And man, you are right. I'm still not out of Michigan. 351 miles. Mackinac Bridge is behind me over there. You saw me though. I said 325. We took the long way around. So it was actually 351 miles from South Haven to the bridge, and my friend Tammy got me over that bridge in her van with the with the uh, bike. Wait, hold on, hold on. We have a video. We have, we have a video of this because what happened is so. Oh, tell us, tell, lead us up to the bridge, then we'll play the video. Don't tell us the story of the bridge. Tell us what happened when you got to the bridge and why you thought you'd be able to ride your bike over it. Yeah, so you know, leading up to the bridge, I left uh, two weeks and five days ago. Um, been been pretty steady the first four to five days. Um, I thought it was the stupidest idea I've ever done in my mm. entire life. I'm feeling better. Every day uh, I had a medical Tammy is a medical assistant. Uh, she checked my blood pressure and it never, it stayed steady at 150. I've lost 23 pounds. I still have to get it lower, but leading up to the bridge, I thought it'd be easy to get that bike over the bridge. And because of COVID, they actually have stopped all the taxi services. So it was going to be a challenge to get me over that bridge. And I guess uh, you guys have a video of me actually going over the bridge. Yeah, we have, let's take a look at this. Yeah. So Mackinac Island over there is famous for bicycling around the island. I guess if I had more strength, I could have done that. I didn't want to. Tammy could have done it 10 times. <laughs> That's not lying, everyone. There's a lot of hills over there, too. Yeah, Kate mentioned that there's a lot of hills over there. I'm done with hills for at least until Tuesday. The hills that are handling, they can ride around the island on the outside. 
Well, Tammy just said you could ride around that island on the outside and it's flat. So she would know. She's probably done it. All right. All right. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about this. So let's bring the video down. So, you know, the funny... Go for the funny, the funny part about that is that on Mackinac Island you can't drive a car. The yeah. only cars are emergency vehicles. It's all bicycle and horse. But Mackinac Bridge going over the Straits of Mackinac, no bicycles. Is that I, why you I, thought I, maybe you I, could ride I, it over? <laughs> well, I knew I knew it was going to be a challenge, and here was another option that I had. I could have taken the bike on the ferry to Mackinac Island, yeah. and then taken the ferry from Mackinac Island to St. Ignace. So uh, it just worked out good that she had the van. And another thing that's been uh, around in my trip, it's been extremely cold. Like right now, it's uh, about 48, 49. The wind is whipping. So it's been a cold, it's been a cold, rainy trip, but I've trip planned around it pretty well. <laughs> wow. Well, Grace Sharkey, she's in the comments here. She said that's the best island on earth, apparently. I've been there a, time, a number of times. Yeah. It's, it is absolutely beautiful. So, Wayne, have, have you lost? I've been looking at your pictures, man. It looks like uh, this thing is working out. It looks like you lost uh, a good 20 pounds at least. I did. I've lost uh, 23 pounds now. Uh, my blood pressure, like I said, has been uh, about 150. Um, I still need to get it lower. I need to get it. Um, I just got off live. We're a medical, not a medical personal wellness uh, director. I really need to get it under the 120 mark. And yeah, the 23 pounds. And you you mentioned it when I uh, posted it. I'm pretty proud. It's been two and a half months, 23 pounds. I think I have a feeling I'm going to lose about 10 more pretty quick. <laughs> so, so Wayne, in the first couple of weeks, did it, did it ever occur to you like, I'll just make it to Mackinac and that'll be good enough? Did it ever feel like that? Uh, if I'm, I did, That'll be good enough. People get the idea. <laughs> uh, I I got five days in and just wanted to stop right where I was at and get a trucking <laughs> job, you know, and I seriously, I mean, I've done a lot of crazy things hiking in Alaska alone, but um, I was so far out of shape and, and that's why we wanted to, to focus on uh, truckers health and how quickly and how, how bad your health can get in a short amount of time. Just in September of 2019, my blood pressure at the DOT physical was 120 over 62. Wow. wow. So Wayne, tell us what is it? What is the logistics of this ride? What does a, a day look like for you? You you I, you set your alarm. You have a destination goal at the time. Is it all Matt? Like how does this work? It's just like trucking. I, it, it seriously is. Like I haven't been uh, going into a lot of storms. Um, when I was in the truck, um, I've, I'm almost at eight years, eight hundred seventy-five. I'm almost at ninety-nine percent on time because I've been able to, to trip plan around storms and look at them. And and we made a very uh, one day we woke up this last week when I was going to four days from Traverse City, and we actually made a poor decision to get on our bikes and ride in the rain. And it wasn't supposed to be a snowstorm, and it turned into a snowstorm. And 18 miles in, we were getting hypothermia. It was bad. Wow. And a famous Bob Downs, he's a biker here. He was near us. He was worried about us and called us. He picked us up. It was not good. We made a bad decision, and I just keep thinking about how good truck driving made me in trip planning because I had this thing in my back of my head going, I, I shouldn't ride that bike. And we did. And we got in trouble. <laughs> Interesting. So let me ask you this, Wayne, you know, I love to, I love to exercise and stuff. And one of the reasons I do it is, is for mental health. It's, I liken it to putting all the files on my desk back in order, right? While I'm working out, you've got a lot of time to reflect and think, what have you learned about yourself or what are, what are some of the things that you've had in your head that you've learned? Well, I learned that I was getting way too stressed and anyone that worked with me in the uh, trucking companies that I worked at, uh, the, the more out of shape I got, which I didn't know, the more stressed I was becoming. 
and I've really relaxed a lot. My smile's back. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just really moving forward every day and getting more in shape. So if I decide to hop back into the truck, I'm going to have better tools for me to stay in shape, especially during COVID-19. No, interesting. If you decide to jump back in the truck, does this mean you may be thinking about not doing that? Well, there's something I tell you, I wish I could. There's a real, I found out something that's really great. He, uh, my son asked me, I might hit a little bit, but he asked me not to say anything, but I'm, there's been suggestions that once I get to Seattle, maybe keep it going to San Diego for a special thing that I uh, can't talk about, but I, that may head to San Diego if things work out the way I hope they do. I'm, I did the biggest hurdle getting over that bridge over here. And now it's just straight on US 2 West and keep grinding it. Well, I mean, what other encounters do you think you could have that you didn't account for? Like, what else do you think could come up along the way, like this bridge? (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny that you asked because Bob Downs, the guy who helped us out, he's a famous biker. He's wrote books. He's went across the country. And he says, once I get past North Dakota, it's the mountain. It's the mountains, how much weight I got on the truck. Oh, yeah. On the bike. He said, just um, he suggested one of the biggest things is that if I don't get off that bike and walk some, that that could be a different issue that I could have. So I think logistically speaking, the hardest part of uh, getting over the bridge is done. Now it's just me grinding it out. And uh, I bought bear spray. And uh, believe it or not, I bought bear spray. I've done a lot of biking. I use a bear spray for dog attacks. I've been attacked twice oh, on a bike. I was going to say deodorant. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Well, you know, I. I need the bear spray when I get out there out west, but uh, I also use it for uh, dogs to attack. So, uh, you know, I got that as well. I'm, I'm hoping we did some camping. So I got camping gear as well. So I don't see it's going to be just be tough. I don't I don't know if there's going to be one thing in particular. I know it's going to be tough just grinding it out for the 2,075 miles I got left. Well, smart man, with it, with there being no gas at the gas stations, you pick the perfect time to get out of the truck and ride a bike. Smart yeah. move. Before we let you go, let's spin the wheel. Let's do it. Round and round it goes, where it lands, no one knows except for Michael Vincent. That's right, and I get to decide if I know it or not. All right, here you go. You ready, Wayne? You you and a stranger are alone in a movie theater. The stranger gets up, comes over, and sits right next to you. Do you move? Oh, I absolutely do. I'd probably look at the person and say, come on, I mean... Why are you sitting right next to me? <laughs> and then I just say, I just ask him, "What's up? What What, what are you doing now?" Now, if it was, it would be different if it was a uh, pretty lady. I, yeah. I would be a little bit more, you know, you know, maybe we can watch the movie together. But yeah, I'm one of those people. Like for, I'm out here and, and it's totally empty. It's funny yeah. that that landed on there because. This whole park is full, and they keep wanting to park right here when I'm doing the interview. So I'm just like, oh, on, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what the bear spray is for. Yeah, Someone comes to the say, don't know. pull out that bear spray. <laughs> hey, Wayne, best of luck with you. Uh, we'll check in with you uh, a little bit down the line at the next checkpoint. I'll get you back on the schedule. Thanks for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me, guys. You got a great show. Thank you. Thanks. thanks Drive safe. Peace. Hey, so I was I was at the, what inspired that wheel of stupid question was I was on a date one time. I went to go see yeah. Sin City in Santa Ana, California. And okay. I go, I go with the girl, and we get our seats, and it was, it was a daytime show, so there's nobody in the theater yeah. except for us, and we're at our seats, so I go, hey, I'll be right back. I went and get like, the soft drinks and that stuff. I come back, and this, this like, middle-aged Mexican dude is sitting next to my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I came like laser-eyed death glare. I was just like, dude, come on. <laughs> this entire theater's empty. 
All right. So did you two order popcorn? Yeah. Well, again, I'd like to thank our friends at Legend Transportation for sponsoring today's episode. Legend partners with strategic customers while providing seamless solutions for its drivers. And as West Regional's premier freight transportation company, learn more at Tell em, Dude. Oh, at newlegendinc.com. Go there immediately after the show. Yeah, and now continuing, we're continuing our Education Week Supply Chain Education Week here on What the Truck. And uh, we're going to take a trip back to my hometown, UMass. Well, my home state, uh, UMass know. Amherst, sometimes called Zoomass, or at least it was back in the 90s. <laughs> I don't know, Anna, Anna can speak a little bit more to that. we got Anna Nagurney. She's a John F. Smith Memorial Professor in the Department of Operations and Information Management in the, Eis- in the Eisenberg School of Management, UMass Amherst, right out of Amherst, Massachusetts. Anna, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Great show. Lots hey, did, of energy. Lots of fun. Do they still call it Zoomass over there? Uh, no more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Ever since you got there and set them straight, right? Yeah. Our students have a lot of grit, a lot of resilience, especially in the pandemic. But still, they know how to have fun. And I think that's important, actually, to their education. You have to enjoy what you do. You have to love what you do. Otherwise, you're not going to be learning, right? Yeah, well, that's why we love having these professors on right now, too, because you all, students and professors, just came through a very, very unique year. You had to adjust curriculum. Students had to adjust to professors. Professors had to adjust to students. And for you as a professor, a lot of times people don't care that the professor has to adjust, right? It's all about the students. But you know what? Tell us a little bit about the past year and what you do over at UMass in terms of uh, supply chain education. Okay, sure. My pleasure. Actually, this year we were all on Zoom, and the first semester I was teaching a course I absolutely love to teach, and that's transportation and logistics. And the second semester I was teaching a course on humanitarian logistics and healthcare. And obviously these courses entail a lot of supply chain topics. The student enjoyed the topic so much that they would want me to go over the time, which makes sense, which was a real honor, actually. At first I thought, oh, Zoom. How could it be fun? But there is kind of an intimacy. And if you have the right technology, you can make it work. For example, I solve a lot of problems in terms of supply chains, and I have the right technology, the right iPad. I can be drawing networks, doing all sorts of problems. So it almost mimics like having a blackboard, for example, coupled with technology. And it worked really, really effectively. And I enjoyed it tremendously, and so did the students. But then again, the topics that we were covering, I mean, supply chains, that's one of the the hottest topics that you can be involved in right now in the pandemic. And the students really, really got it. So we brought in all sorts of current events. I brought in all sorts of speakers on Zoom. We even had speakers all the way from Greece. I had second semester students from Turkey, from the Midwest, from Wyoming, from Pennsylvania. So it made for, you know, a very dynamic kind of environment. Uh, very interactive and very, very exciting. So I think we all had, a, ironically, a fantastic experience in the COVID pandemic. But education could do that. Okay? And I think it's really, really important. We just love supply chains. I love supply chains. They're so important. I mean, Yeah, and I think the world is really starting to, uh, or it has uh, re-engaged with supply chain and recognize it again. It seems yeah. like we have these events that bring it to the forefront, right? And you're talking about all these, uh, from all these diverse backgrounds coming in and getting excited about supply chain and what you're doing there to have the students engaged, et cetera. As we look at that, does that change the leadership moving forward? Is this event really going to uh, uh, change what logistics looks uh, like in, in the forward, not from just the, the change and, you know, more efficient or more transparent, 
but those that are involved and bring in that ideation more and more that maybe wasn't sexy enough for some of the, the that that type of crowd to be in this this space. Oh, I totally agree. I think it's one of the hottest topics, the hottest areas you can possibly be working in. And there's so many issues now. I mean, we're seeing the ransomware, right? Hijacking our pipelines, our critical infrastructure. We see uh, the huge container ship ever given blocking the Suez Canal, uh, resulting in so much congestion worldwide and also billions of dollars of issues. And then you look at the coal chain, too. You know, so important for freight logistics in terms of uh, the Pfizer vaccine, the Moderna vaccine. There are all these different skills that students need. And I think that is fascinating. And also we're seeing that, you know, we need to be dealing with disruption management when it comes to supply chain. Something can happen locally and it has a global impact. So, you know, it's not a just-in-time world scenario now. It's a just-in-case. And we have to be prepared. We have to have more resiliency. You know, more suppliers uh, understand that supply chains need a holistic kind of perspective. It's a system perspective. You, you can't be narrow-minded. You can't be, you know, narrow. Uh, also, when you think of supply chains, it's not just the flow of goods, it's the flow of information, it's the flow of the payments back, very, very critical, and also people. And that's something we've been doing a lot of work on and actually emphasizing. Uh, when you think of supply chains, labor is critical. We need the truckers, right? We need the other, the warehouse operators. We need the manufacturers. You need uh, those are who are involved in last mile kinds of delivery. And you even need the retailers switching to e-commerce. But it's people that are behind these supply chains. And we need to keep them healthy. We need to keep them productive. We need to pay them the right kinds of wages. And that, I think, is absolutely critical. And my students get it. Okay, And this is something we need to be educating uh, more of the population about. Mm -hmm. That these supply chains, I have a you know super network center. They really are super networks. You know, they're layers of different kinds of networks that interact. And then you have also the internet involved too. Okay, so now we have all these, I think, exciting opportunities when it comes to supply chains that the COVID pandemic has like vividly illustrated. You know, we need more traceability, we need more redundancy, we need more collaboration, more coordination. So there are fantastic opportunities for education, for students, uh, and actually, you know, for the general population too, and also the workers, yeah, the industrial sectors. No, I love what I love what you're saying here, and I'm a big proponent of the mainstreamification of freight and supply chain and whenever yeah. these big real-world examples happen. If you notice, the mainstream media is getting better at recognizing when, oh, this supply chain issue. Oh, yeah, gas shortage, supply chain mm -hmm. issue, toilet paper out, supply chain issue. But these are great mm -hmm. teaching examples, too, because as we all know, before this started getting more mainstream, right, and before the freight waves of the world is pushing along and the mainstream media is jumping on board and all of that stuff, you know as a teacher, right, it's a hard sell at first, supply chain. People don't know what it is. It's a very esoteric thing. It's very boring. And now the, the scope of it has gotten so broad. You mentioned ransomware attacks. Now you're looking at IT elements beyond just the simple route business management. There's there's marketing opportunities. There's, there's so much discipline that can be built around a supply chain curriculum right now. And for you, that's got to be glorious to have these new teaching opportunities. 
Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And also what I really like is the synergies possibly uh, from like business, commercial supply chains and disaster relief supply chains. You know, lots of interactions between the two. You know, you need the business continuity. uh, You need the redundancy. You need to uh, do all sorts of what if scenarios because our supply chains, they have to be agile now. They have to be able to adapt. Okay, it's a very, very dynamic area. So it's critically important. You know, people get it when they can't get the food, they can't get the chicken now, they can't get the toilet paper, they couldn't get the cleaning supplies. Okay, and now, you know, the shortages that we have in terms of computer chips, which is, you know, huge for many industrial sectors. So it's really, really exciting. And uh, I teach a lot, you know, supply chains in terms of networks, because you can visualize them, you can picture a network, you know, different tiers of suppliers, and how do you identify which is the most important supplier? Sometimes, you know, it's one supplier goes down because of a disaster or illnesses, and no cars can be painted black. Think of what happened after Fukushima, for example. Yeah. Okay, so you see all these complexities and interrelationships, but uh, it's very, very cool to study these and we do a lot of work identifying well which is the most important supplier because if that you know one goes down it'll really affect the profits of a a particular company or even the whole supply chain network economy what happens if a a certain freight service provider can provide you know the logistics services what will be the impacts for example on profits and so on and also now we have so many issues associated with time delays which is really really important uh, you know uh, we study also tariffs and quotas in the pandemic there have been many products that have been subject to you know big tariffs that people don't even know about a lot of essential goods foods even PPEs or you know export quotas so again these are these big network problems the students get really excited and they can really relate to, you know, and their families relate to them too. Yeah. So. There's, and there's been, you know, when you start talking about like cotton fibers uh, <laughs> migrating from uh, forced labor camps and stuff like that, where you have the government seizing uh, uh, purchase orders, et cetera, the, before they even hit the country, that's all part of it as well. But you did mention, and I want to dig into what, what do you think uh, about just in case versus just in time? Because it's been a debate and it's a difficult thing because you want to make sure that we can't survive through different events like uh, the pandemic that we just uh, that we're surviving through so far. So good. Right. Uh, but you also have to balance that with the profitability and the, and the capital expenditure and inventory levels for different com- uh, country, uh, companies. And they need to be efficient. Right. How do you balance that? What do you where do you see some type of solutions moving forward with that? Well, there are a lot of issues associated with that, and we do a lot of, you know, quantitative models to identify, you know, even the benefits of outsourcing versus production in-house. Okay, so you need performance metrics, you need quantitative tools, which we do to identify. But I think, uh, you know, if something happens, a, uh, you know, event that doesn't, you wouldn't expect for it to happen maybe, you know, as frequently as all these disasters are happening, it can have such a huge impact. So you need the just in case. You can't just rely on a single supplier. And that we've seen, you know, in, in the COVID pandemic, because it could have, you know, huge ramifications. Okay. We really need just in case 
just in time is not sufficient anymore. You need the redundancy in terms of suppliers, freight service providers. And a lot of that, you know, we can learn from disaster management. You need to build those relationships and not do it in the last minute. You know, people need to be working with their suppliers, you know, having confidence in them, uh, having positive relationships. And that can really help, you know, when disasters strike. And they can be natural disasters, you know, technological disasters, you know, and look at this pandemic. It's a slow onset disaster, not limited in time or space that just continues and continues. Luckily now, you know, we're starting to move out, at least our part of the globe, you know, but other parts of the world, you know, still suffering, you know, very, very dramatically. So, but work in supply chains can help. Right. In terms of, you know, procurement of PPEs, you know, producing things on shore. Okay, And obviously, logistics are extremely important supply chains and people who deliver the goods. Without that, nothing happens. So uh, bravo to all the truckers and the freight service providers. They are my heroes. (laughs) I have dedicated. We'll give them a little cowbell. Well, let's talk about let's talk about people and the future of supply chain. And I, I do this show called Freightways Insiders. And one of the things I always ask guests is, you know, what did you want to be when you're looking at schools when you're 16 years old? Because most of the guests I talk to are like 35 and up. And when we were growing up, you know, I, there wasn't like supply chain programs curriculum was not a huge thing. There's only a few schools doing it. And now we're doing a whole supply chain weekend. Right? We talked to Chris Tang from UCLA. And he actually Chris Tang was like, I love that this stuff's in the news. My colleagues finally approach and ask me questions when I was yeah. like ignored and in the broom yeah. closet before. <laughs> but you have a whole new flock of students that are going to be coming in in the fall. How do you, in light of what's going on in the world, how do you decide on what the curriculum is going to be moving into the fall? See, I teach uh, basic knowledge. I think that's really important because we have fundamental knowledge when it comes to supply chains, optimization, even game theory and competition. And they always bring in current events. That's what makes my courses so lively. And it makes it so easy when you're teaching courses on transportation, logistics and supply chains because it's the real world. Okay, happening in terms of shortages, right? In terms of ransomware, in terms of congestion in various ports, in terms of, you know, delays in getting the goods, in terms of the escalation of the prices, they all get it. And they want to make things better too. I think this generation of students, the millennials, uh, they care about optimization. They care about information technology. Uh, They're really excited about data analytics and all these kinds of tools can really help the various industries, okay? They also all uh, love food, you know? Food is a really important supply chain, agricultural uh, supply chains, and they've been impacted by shortages in migrant labor, you know, all sorts of other issues too. Yeah, they certainly so have. Think- hey, can you, t- can you, uh, you mentioned something that I'm like, what, wait a minute, what was that? Uh, what's, what's supply chain game theory? Oh, that's interesting. Right? When you think about, you know, supply chains, optimization is really important. UPS is really good at optimizing, right? You just take right turns, you don't take left turns. It's yeah. a friend of mine who was behind that, Jack Levis, actually. Uh, so you want to make things as optimal as possible, but you need to identify the right objective functions and what you want to optimize. Some of it might be risk minimization, okay? It might be time minimization, it might be profit maximization, and so on. But when you look at supply chains, you have many interacting decision makers and stakeholders, right? You have manufacturers competing with each other, even when it comes to the vaccine production. 
right? Uh, you have freight service providers competing with each other, UPS and FedEx and obviously Amazon and so on. So you want to figure out uh, when they have different kinds of objective functions that they want to optimize, what's going to happen? Who's going to win? Who's going to lose? And you can make all sorts of decisions based on these uh, really nice mathematical models and algorithms to figure out what should the prices be, what are going to be the product flows, what are going to be you know, the demands of various retail outlets, and so on. So we use game theory to do that because it's not just a single decision maker. There are many people competing with each other. Or sometimes they can be cooperating. And when it comes to our work on cybersecurity and supply chains, we've shown the benefits of cooperation in terms of uh, sharing uh, you know, news about cyber attacks and so on. And how can we improve supply chain education and, and spread awareness to it and get more people into these programs and make the programs better? Uh, that's a really good point. I think uh, we have a fantastic uh, program at the Eisenberg School of Management at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. We have tracks and supply chains. Uh, they attract some of the best students, you know, well, we have some most outstanding students at the Eisenberg School to begin with. And our program in operations information management attracts, you know, I would say, some of the you know, creme de la creme of the students. We have lots of projects. We have clubs. That's really important, like having consulting clubs because they actually work with companies and they help them on their supply chain issues. Uh, we also have an OIM club. That's something else that's really, really useful. Uh, so we work with industry, uh, lots of projects like that. And they get fantastic jobs. My students, some get jobs like, you know, uh, the summer before even their senior year, which says something. And there are wow. lots of different kinds of internships, uh, high tech companies, food companies, consumer beverage companies, consulting companies, uh, which is fantastic. Okay. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great field to break into because this this whole education behind it, like we were mentioning, one of the beautiful things about supply chain is that it can be a second, third life for a lot of people. You can yeah. resurrect oh, yeah. to make a great comeback story here, but you can also go straight to college and come in this industry and make an impact a lot quicker with a lot of companies Absolutely. than a lot of traditional businesses where everybody else is trying to go into. They've said before the future leaders of the world are going to be the CSCOs, and I believe it. Right. I am totally on board with that. Yeah, you can come into this I industry agree. from totally different uh, backgrounds and, and, and fields of study yeah. now than you did before. Well, let's ask right? a smart let's ask a smart person a stupid question. Let's yeah, spin that yeah, wheel. No, let's so see what this comes is up yeah, with. this is something you probably want to incorporate in your classroom. Yeah, well, right she's a teacher, so there's it, no stupid questions. It's, it's well, it's the wheel of stupid. Well, questions. yes, is what. Okay, we'll spin it. We're gonna okay. I'm okay, sorry. round it goes. Here it goes. Without further delay, Here what will it, it land on? What do we got? Okay, so. What is the best way to get on your professor's good side? <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you believe it? I would teach a class Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8.30 in the morning, and some students would show up even early, which I think Ooh. is fantastic. <laughs> I had, like, fantastic attendance, which to me is, like, the greatest compliment. Oh, it's really nice when students years after write notes to a professor. We really like that. I've even gotten bouquets of flowers in the pandemic thanking me for everything I've done. So I stay in touch with my students, and I love it when they achieve, and they share good news with me. And I'm a very proud academic mom. I love <laughs> to see my students achieve. And they, they do great things, okay? Very, well, and, very exciting careers. And we really appreciate it for those students who, and I'm sure a lot were listening to this, and they were like, you know what? I want to check out UMass Amherst. I want to check out the Eisenberg School of Management. How do they, what do they got to do? 
uh, they can apply. Mm -hmm. We have a wonderful online program, which we had even before the pandemics. We were kind of ahead of the curve. Uh, you can get master's programs, MBA programs. You can also benefit from different certificates. And then something else is very useful in supply chain management now, getting a certificate, maybe you have a degree in another field, and then you want to enhance your credentials. So uh, many colleges and even professional societies like the Association of Supply Chain Management is offering certificates. So I urge people to go after that because you know, it's always good to learn and you know, it's really enjoyable to learn. And then you can give back and help society. And I think that's very, very rewarding. Thank you, Anna, so much. Talking to you was very rewarding. We really appreciate and enjoyed this conversation and your time today. Thank you very much, and thank you for guiding the youth of America. All the best to you. Take care. Thank Take you. Care. Now we have to go out there and achieve to uh, get on our good side. Now we have to go out there and achieve. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know what? I, I, can't, I can't wait until people get back together. I can't wait until people come here November 8th to 10th at F3 live and in person. And you know what? I was going through my memories on Facebook and something popped up. And yesterday, two years ago, yesterday, this video came on my feed. It's from Transparency 19. Let's play that video really quick. We were banging the cowbell, right? We were banging the cowbell ever since Tim Dooner has come onto What the Truck. We are about 100% more cowbell. And it is great to have you. But we weren't the only ones beating the cowbell, were we? That is right. You started this, and I have to give you credit where credit is due. Every guest who came in the studio competed to be best in show of Transparency uh, 19, best in show, more More cowbell cowbell. award. And this man, fellow Bostonian, Jet Bear, Link Drive, he not only was super creative with the inside battery, did the knock on top. He had the enthusiasm, he had the power, and he had a great broadcasting voice, so he's our honor to hand you the first ever Transparency or Cabell Award from What the Truck, man. You did. <laughs> Very impressive. Speech, speech. So yeah, proud. what do you got to say for yourself? Oh! Yeah, you wish you could do that. Yeah, that was yeah. badass, man. Thanks, yeah. so, I think it's just because you're from... Yeah, t- well, first of all, you competed in this con. You competed. I did. In this I didn't win. You did the belly roll, right? I did the you belly did the roll. little belly roll in yeah, there. Yeah, I did. We got to bring it back, right? Yeah, we got to yeah, bring absolutely. it back to this event. I think we absolutely do. The more cowbell competition. Yes, 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 yes. Maybe it's we talk to our buddy. Maybe we, hey, maybe we can there talk we to go. Matt Walsh from Trophy Ooh. Smack. Maybe we can have best cowbell player. What do you guys think? Best cowbell player with the truck. Maybe I get so. uh, a golden cowbell. Maybe get a, be- think, a belt. I think we need to. We got to do it. I don't know. Leave it in the comments. Tell us what to do. We don't have to do it. If you don't want it, we won't. Okay, you want it? They want it. All right, go to go to live.freightwaves.com. Click on F3. Go get your ticket there, but then use the promo code WTT. We're going to save you $200. Um, you want to be a guest, you get something really interesting to say on these shows that are happening now or at the event. You can always reach out to me, tduner at freightwaves.com, or tweet at me at Timothy Dooner. That's D O N-E-R. One more thing to do while you're on the website, go to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. Yes. Subscribe to the newsletter. It comes out every Tuesday night. Many oh, of you may you have should. got it last night. At least 3,000 of you did. Yeah, that's what, how many subscribers are up to. Doing a very really? good job. Let's get nice. up to 10,000, though. So if you're not subscribed yet, let's jump in there. We're going to go inside the newsletter right now, though. You've got mail. You know what's funny about that video? I was I, I'd only been at Freightways for like ten days. Oh, really? By that 
by that point. That was like my third what the truck. Well, you, that video was right there by uh, the barbecue that Triumph Pay was doing. Yeah. Steve Hauseman, who's yeah. an excellent barbecue guy, still is. <laughs> that, and I was going to say, one of my favorite things about that was serving everybody at that barbecue. Because that's yeah. what we did. All the Freightways employees served everybody at that barbecue. It was awesome. Because you got to see everybody face to face. It was awesome. I'm also like, can't I'm, wait to see everybody again. I'm looking at myself in the past and I'm like, who did I think of? I just like came who in right away guy? and was immediately like, I'm, I'm just running with the truck. <laughs> <All right. laughs> I remember somebody going, who's that crazy guy in there ringing the gar- cowbell? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I got it a little before the cowbell was fully accepted. I did yeah. maybe get in a little bit yeah. of trouble. <laughs> uh, all right. Spot rates. So you guys have, so spot rates have been following when we got a little picture here. You know, the price is right. Mountain climber. He's climbing up the, the hill. We had that big spike that, what was that? 332? Yeah. That was the highest number ever in that series. And now this week we're back up to 323. It was a big jump after a couple weeks, right? Everything had kind of tapered off a little bit in April. We were at 304 the week before the 323, yeah. right? I mean, look, never, these are still greatly elevated rates. Don't get yeah. us wrong oh, yeah, here. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, you know, now it's kind of like following Dogecoin. You know, you're at, you know, you bought a 10. It's at 50 cents now, <laughs> yeah, but now you're right. mad it's not 70 cents. Yeah. Well, now we're at 323. Um, I will say this. Do, yeah. do you think most of this is due to uh, road check week? We gonna fall back down? Yeah, to maybe, I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. I think it comes. I think it comes back down to three ish. Yeah, yeah, pretty quick. And the reason we think that is the fundamentals behind it. When we look at volumes, we look at rejections. Those actually mm-hmm. are dipping down a little bit. So you get drivers back behind the wheel. Uh, rates may drop a little bit up until Memorial Day. Then you get more drivers taking some time off the road. But this gas thing could change everything. So the gas huh. thing could be a huge catalyst here, though. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you, you, we talked about it before. We ha- we have this kind of like super saturated market. We have high, high uh, demand still. I mean, the volumes are coming down a little bit, but they're still incredibly high. And you've got capacity that is extremely tight. Obviously, we're looking at one in four loads in general, right? And like 30, almost 40% of all reefer is gone. One little thing disrupts a crit. So the gas can definitely change this. But 304, three-ish... And then a holiday and the, ga- and the gas shortage, et cetera, can definitely screw this up. And we saw those numbers from Gas Buddy out of the southeast. Now, that's for gasoline, yeah. but it's also starting to impact diesel. And look, everyone starts to get that fear factor, and every trunk company is going to start buying gas. I know they get you know, rack fuel and all that kind of thing, but look, more is taken out of the system than is put in. There's always going to be a problem. Um, do you, I guess it depends when they get it off. I mean, I don't think this is sustained because it's not a, it's an artificial shortage, right? It is an artificial yeah. shortage. So I, I think, well, I mean, we'll find out today, right? Aren't they supposed I to guess tell so. us today? Maybe it isn't. We'll find yeah, out we... some update today if it extends another week or so. Well, let's cross our fingers and <sighs> hopefully that it's just artificial. We'll let everyone panic by because they're going to do it anyway. Yeah. Once they're done, hopefully. Well, at least week. the guys who held it hostage apologized. At least they are. <laughs> hey, you want to see something? You wanna, so Nike, I don't know if you heard the news. You follow the rapper, the rapper Little Nas X, but he made this thing called yeah, the... You know this, me. I follow him. Uh, well, yeah, you follow the rappers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, he made this shoe called the... Satan Shoe X. And this isn't like this sort of out of character thing. Um, the Satan Shoe, obviously, just because of the, the name of it, 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 it you know, got ruffled some feathers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It offended some people. Some people thought it was cool. They sell for like $12,000 on, on eBay. <laughs> but So the Nike, though, Nike goes out and they make this, this USPS shoe. But they did what little Nas X did. They didn't license anything from the USPS. <laughs> yeah, so they, got, they did the same thing to little Nas X that little Nas X did to them. It's that cycle of abuse. Yeah. Cycle abuse that happens in real life too with people. It also happens with companies, apparently. Yeah. But they've come to an agreement, and now you can finally get that sneaker. You like a you like a pair of Stan Smiths on your feet. Oh yeah, I love Stan Smiths. Would you wear the post office shoe? I was gonna say I like that so much I might buy two of them. 
Really? One, one for each foot? foot? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty nice. <laughs> uh, and here's one for you. Room of the view. This bud's for you. So this per- this unlucky homeowner was, uh, I guess, lucky because they didn't get run over. They're chilling in their house in Avon Lakes, Ohio. Oh, yeah, yeah. When Avon this Lake. truck here, this Budweiser truck, tried to avoid a car that ran a stop sign and it ended up driving right through this home's living room. So you think maybe they just said, hey, just you know, keep the Budweiser and we'll call ourselves even. We'll yeah, some them. did fall out. If you zoom in <laughs> on a picture, some actually like fell in the ground right out of the, right out of the side of it. But yeah. uh, fortunately, no one in the home injured. The driver was taken to the hospital. I don't think his injuries are, are too critical, but scary situation for everyone involved. It looks like we hopefully dodged a bullet over there. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very good. So <laughs> yeah, unbelievable. Hey, for, so like even I mentioned, get me a beer. <laughs> Freightwaves Insiders is going to be out at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow on Freightwaves TV. Live also it'll be up on demand afterwards. Talking to Lauren Beacon, she's an adjunct professor at Roger Williams University. Ooh, We're nice. talking about maritime law, the curious case of Kim Kardashian, and the Ooh. stolen Athena statue. Oh. We get into it. Yeah, it's gonna be a good time. Check Very that cool. one out. Scratch it on podcast cool. players everywhere. On this show, we got Jeremiah Craig. He's been on here, he's played it for. He's got a new album coming out on Friday. He's gonna debut it right here on this show, plus a bunch of other people. You know, we always bring great guests. Subscribe oh, yeah. to this show for your podcast player. Look up what the truck. Look up Freight Guest. Get every single Freightways podcast all on one feed. Follow me on Twitter at Timothy Duda. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Follow him at Vincent the Dude. Tell him how to be. Hey, peace and love, everyone. Spread it. Spread to the it moon! Everywhere.